wisdom, as you know by now, is not actually my words of wisdom, it's the words of wisdom of my gorgeous guest. And today we have Lucy Porter with us. Hello. Wise old <laughs> I am. Wise old Lucy Porter, how are you doing? <laughs> Very well, I have no wisdom uh, to... Well, I... No I, wisdom to dispel at all. Not really, I, I feel... Well, you know, we were saying, well, what should we talk about? And I've been cocooned. Uh, writing in that sort of way you know when you're writing and you just have no concept of the outside world or your family yeah. <laughs> or anything I'm I do like know a, that I, and I, I don't wash but don't you no I've become, I just suddenly realised I went two days and then I suddenly went oh my god that is the most rank thing in the world but you know it becomes all about the life of the mind well I found um, I, my this, my ability to do displacement activity when I have writing to do is quite phenomenal. Mm. I weeded the entire garden. <laughs> I get terrible yeah. hay You fever. go round to a writer's house and I you did, go, Yeah, I look like oh, Michael Jackson with deadline. the mask on. Oh, no. I have done about 50 BuzzFeeds. I know what song I am, what yeah, Friends character yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I now disable the internet while I'm writing. I don't like to do that. Because uh, I... Well, I say that. I mean, I just sort of turn it off. <laughs> I've tried to make it sound more impressive. I, I just go into the... my mainframe. Is the mainframe still Do you hack into the, the mainframe, Lucy? Um, or do yeah. you... I just do turn you... the off when... Do you have, the, pe- do you have the Pentagon do it for you? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I know, I know. Well, your garden does it lovely, though. Well done. Thank well you very done. much. Talk me through what you're writing at the minute. Uh, so, I'm writing two shows for the Edinburgh Festival. One of which is a play, first play I've ever attempted, in a feat of amazing vanity I just went fancy writing a play I'll tell you what I'll do I'll book a room in Edinburgh and then make people pay money to come and see me dicking about writing a play but I just thought otherwise if I don't have a deadline I will never do it so and well Hugh Laurie said that you know, no one's ever ready did you see that this week Hugh Laurie was, uh, was was saying that you know if you wait till you're ready you'll never do anything yes. no one's ever ready when they do something yes. so you know I think the time that you're not ready is probably the best time to put a show well, on well exactly <laughs> good work turning turning around my uh, lack of experience but yeah so that's that's going to be on at 11 in the morning and then I'm doing a stand-up show uh, at, at lunchtime, which is a really nice time Such to do stand-up. Such a nice time. But it's interesting as well, writing for... So my stand-up show's at one, and um, writing, thinking about the fact you'll be doing it at lunchtime actually makes a bit of a difference, I think, because I've done every time at the Edinburgh Festival. I've done lunchtime, tea time, dinner time, Oops, and me. too late. Too late? Too late. <laughs> I've really done too What's late. What's too late? I think anything after half ten is too late yeah, for no, me. Yeah, I did 11 o'clock at the underbelly, which was actually fine, um, but too late. <laughs> In what way is it too late? Just everyone's those the, those drunk, those you're tired. Um, also, I think that if I go and see a show at 11, I kind of want it to be edgy. And I fail in, you know, I've always wanted to be edgy, but I've now reconciled myself to the fact that I'm not an edgy But I kind of comedian. feel like the audience look at you and decide what they want. I mean, I, because, you know, I've got quite a dark sense of humour, as do. you know, and there's some things that I share with the audience, and there's other things that go, no, not from you. And I yeah. can see them going, no, yeah. no, 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 no. No. I know, I have tried in the past to talk about, uh, you know, drinking and generally being less than clean living but I think I look like a Christian everyone always everyone always presumes they always go because oh, you're a Christian aren't you <laughs> do you're they? a vegetarian yeah all the sort of the 
cleany things. <laughs> they always go. I could be eating a steak while snorting coke. And people go, but you're, you're a vegetarian and Christian, aren't you? I thought you were... Um, yeah. I love the insight people got into you when you accidentally publicly sent me a picture in a red <laughs> on Twitter. Yes, I know. So people have clicked onto that and gone, oh, Lucy Porter's <laughs> She's dirty. She was. Yeah. No, I think de- they've always, as a woman, you're always allowed to be dirty. Just not dark. But yeah, kind of. It was interesting. I did um, the comedy store on Thursday with Sarah Silverman popped in to do 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Uh, which was a phenomenal uh, sort of masterclass in a number of things comedy generally uh-huh. um but also you know because th- th- i think to british comics the comedy store is kind of a big deal and you kind of it's go well huge deal. you know it pays well it's in you know and there's a certain kudos attached to it but do you find and, sometimes um, the comedy store can make you a bit shit because you're so nervous about well, doing exactly, the comedy yeah, store yeah, yeah i mean you know you have to fight your own expectations don't you Mm-hmm. Anyway, but she yeah she turned up and obviously it doesn't have the same cachet I, I should imagine in her world, but also she was just utterly fearless and I think that's my hey word of wisdom, Bing. There we go. Here See we if you just keep talking, something comes. <laughs> but yes, that's how writing works. Just get the shit down on the page and eventually a little nugget will pop yeah. up. Fearlessness. That's the only thing you need in comedy. All really, that stuff about timing and natural wit having to do any work <laughs> no you do have to do some work but, but you yeah. do see some people and you think I don't know why that works but it does yeah I don't um, know why you I don't know how you're getting away with that but you are it is generally it's that sort of childishness it's that well it's complete commitment and it's the so yeah Sarah Silverman did some sort of stuff about she did like the worst routine about rape <laughs> you could ever oh imagine because there are the best ones out there oh it is the best I mean it is, it's like the, well, you know that, that exactly There's, there can be no best rape routine isn't a worst one as well um, but yes but that was really interesting uh, and then she did some stuff about uh, it wasn't doing... the routine about her gran was it no okay because she did a thing about her gran being di- being dead and wanting the body exhumed because she thought she was raped and it was one of those <sighs> wow she yeah. did, I think she did it at the Amnes <laughs> the secret policeman's um, ball and it was kind of like oh god <laughs> and, the, and I understand the fearlessness and I admire it I think it's amazing but you know there's a time when a, that I know if you're I doing know. a gig like that in the same way you know that if you're doing a gig for I don't know a charity gig for well, you know, sex we know workers a, there was a comedian who did do a very inappropriate joke at a uh, charity for women who'd been sexually uh, women trafficked. trafficked for sex, <clears throat> and um, you know, it's it's a fine. <laughs> it, the problem is, it is I say yes, fearlessness is the key, but yeah, and that's I, yeah. I think if I could be more fearless, and you do have to just not really care about how appropriate what you're doing is mm-hmm. for the situation. I know we do, but uh, I think to be... I mean, you want everyone to have a nice time. And I find I'm better at dealing with hecklers now that I realise... I used to think hecklers were there to just upset comics. But now I know that they piss off other audience members who can't hear. Mm. I kind of go, I'm quite happy to tell them to shut up now and to tell them off because... Yes. I don't mind you ruining my night, night but you're ruining everybody else's night too. So <laughs> pipe down. And the mother sort of comes over me and I'm starting to tell people off. I know. Well, I think that is, yes, that is the correct way. And again, you know, you just have to not worry about offending people. Excuse me one minute. My son is shouting at me. We'll be right back in a second. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry. Yeah, you dealt with him like you dealt, dealt with hecklers uh, very, very hard. Mummy's doing, doing a podcast. Sorry about that. My son 
My youngest is off to the park, and I think it's important that everyone knows he's off to the park. He, he certainly felt it was important that we knew. Indeed. Tell me, fearlessness, what, what is there any area in particular that you'd like to be more fearless covering, or just in general? Uh, just in general, I think that I do hold back and, uh, yeah, just sort of worry. Well, this idea of me sort of going, oh, actually, you know, because I'm writing a show because it's lunchtime, so people aren't going to want anything to, you know. I, I would love to do a lunchtime, utterly <laughs> kind of inappropriate uh, lunchtime fair. But then actually, to be honest, there isn't, at the moment, there isn't anything I feel like I'm burning to talk about that's desperately controversial. Really? Not really. What about your sex change? <laughs> it's not controversial. Nobody minds. People are just like, you're a Christian vegetarian. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever gender you want to be. It's fine. It's all right I love that. So the play? Uh, the play is called The Fair Intellectual Club and it is about three teenage girls in Edinburgh who formed a club in 1717 to study uh, and improve their minds. Uh, they said, we, we you know, wonder what would happen if women were as keen to improve their minds as they are to adorn their bodies. So they started this little secret club and gave each other lessons and studied things together. But then uh, one of them got a boyfriend and betrayed all the others. <laughs> as <laughs> as, so often as teenage girls will do. Um, <laughs> so it's all about the sort of fallout, the build-up to that and the fallout from that. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's a little sort of... I, I think writing about your teenage years is something as a writer you always kind of want to do because it is such a... You know, a, a troubling but amazing time, and uh, I've sort of feel I've seen lots of coming of age things about boys, and there still aren't quite as many about women. Like you know, things like Heather's and Mean Girls, and I love all I loved of that. Heather's, Heather's was a great. It was film. a sort of defining film for me because I always thought Winona Ryder was like the best possible person in the world <laughs> to be, and. Uh, but she always kind of had that sort of insouciance that she was bored of everything and like even like at premieres and stuff that I, know, I think cool. at 14 I'd wet myself to be at. Yeah. She just had that sort of sideways smile and she was like, yeah, whatever. It turns out she was nuts. So, uh, it... I think all the best people are nuts. Yeah, I know. I do. I mean, I think borderline nuts. I used to worry that I wasn't nuts enough to be a good actor because all the best actors I've met yeah, I've yeah, worked with, yeah. I've gone, my God, I'm terrified of you. You're nuts. I know. It is a massive... I mean, yeah, you know, it's a cliche because it's true that, that, yeah, you have to be, you have to find the dark places inside yourself, I think, to be. With that, in my, this is um, this is going off on one here. Mm. You know, like all the sort of great writers of our, like, uh, you know, Keats and all the sort of really dodgy ones of old mm. and their sort of weird predilections and sexual preferences and all that mm. kind of stuff. <laughs> well, no, I, I, just because I was, I was thinking about the other day there, mm. we're so shocked when someone like Michael Jackson or Gary Glitter or someone... In, the great, the great. Well, I'm, well, I'm, I don't <laughs> no, know. I know what you mean. The, the, is there is the dark a, side of artists. The people that yes, have a, yes, a back yes. catalogue that, that speaks to someone. Yeah. I mean, we, I might not think they're great, but they, yeah. they, 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 you know, you can't disagree that they've not I know Gary it. Glitter was in just a bit. <laughs> it's important to separate yeah. the man from his music yeah, list yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. my ex-husband was obsessed with Gary Glitter <laughs> to the extent where he did a show in the West End called the Gary Glitter story oh my gosh <laughs> yeah. pre-revelation Pre- yeah. wow <laughs> yeah yeah so he was like he'd watch him crumble and that and, and that's a show was the Gary Glitter story you missed the story there Steve yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Gary Glitter partial story. <laughs> the, Gary, the nice Gary Glitter story. But do you think that great artists need to have that dark side to be I able to create good work? But yeah, I mean, you know, it's... It, it, uh, no. No. I, 
just think that there's a, you know, I think writers and creative artists are no more troubled or, uh, you know, have no more struggles with the mental health than the normal population. I think that probably we're just a bit more indulged and a bit more open in talking about it. I think that, you know, it is such a... Well, we're not entirely open about talking about it. I think Royal Paris would rather we weren't quite so open well, talking about it. yes. I mean, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I think that there is, you know, being... There's being troubled and using that for your art... Uh, and then there is being a criminal. <laughs> I wouldn't condone. Uh, there's one of those I wouldn't condone. But yeah, no, I think. I mean, I think yes, it is. Uh, Do you think it's, it's just that celebrities get go... away with stuff that other people don't get away with? Yeah, no, I mean, I think the... you don't have a nine to five job, and you know, you are kind of allowed to explore it. And maybe that it sort of exacerbates it as well. Maybe the more that you explore. Maybe repression is a very good thing. <laughs> well, I, I believe so. I believe, like, because I mean, you see the stuff that's been printed, and I think this week about the research on porn, about what it does to men's brains, and how they can't be satisfied with just straight missionary after some of the depraved things they watch on the internet. Oh, really? Wow. Well, kind of. You get the more images you see. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. I remember when um, the when I was at school, and there was sort of pictures of famine in Ethiopia, and the first time I saw it, I was so shocked. Mm-hmm. And then after that, you're like, well, yeah, that's, that's that yeah. famine. That's that famine in Ethiopia. Yeah. And you know, and the, like in the first time, I knew that I was a, a proper Londoner when, because um, the first time I moved to London, and somebody, uh, the train was the tube was stopped because there was somebody under a train. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my god, that is awful. Yeah. And then like six years in, you're like, what in fucking rush hour? No, Selfish no, prick. No, no. think- Desensitisation is amazing. There was a guy who used to run a gig in Cork. Who uh, this guy Brian, who was very sweet, and uh, came over to London. And uh, just was walking around giving out tenors to all the homeless people he saw because they were just at that time there wasn't a homeless problem in Cork at all, and uh, he'd never seen it. And uh, you know, and you go, yeah, of course you're right to be shocked. You're absolutely right. You know, there was uh, one thing I did see this week was the uh, you know putting of spikes outside buildings to stop homeless people being able to curl up for the night. And you go, yeah, that's when you take that decision to go. I tell you what. What we really need here is some spikes. Some anti-homeless. But I saw that. So what that is oh. for anyone who doesn't know about it is there's a building in Su- I think it's Southwark, mm-hmm. and it's a a block of flats or something. And what they've done is they I think put it's an office like, building. Is it an office so they building want to deter the homeless from making so their bed for the night. So they put spikes outside that are like sort of sticking up out of the ground, kind of like what you'd put on a wall to stop someone's like you know it's the sort of modern day equivalent of broken glass at the back of yeah, a wall yeah, to yeah. stop someone climbing over. But I showed that to my husband, and he said, "But would you want a homeless person sleeping in?" Yeah, no. Well, I mean, you know, of course, you know, they when they take that decision, they kind of don't think about well, then where does that homeless person go? And and in a way, neither should they, because of course, it is whose responsibility is it? The state, none. You know. Anyway, I uh, yes, I know what you mean. I do think you do. But you become desensitised. But the thing about artists is that we're always very sensitive to our own pain. <laughs> so as much as you sort of go, actually, I think maybe it does help that you kind of go, well, I'm allowed to feel uh, self-pity as an artist. You know, you sort of can always use that. And then maybe that does help you to empathise more with the world around you. I get, I, I don't Possibly. Know. I, I remember or, you saying to me, like, when, um, when, I, when, when the first Edinburgh show I did where I talked about my divorce, mm-hmm. and me saying to you, you know, is it okay to talk about this? And you're going, yeah, sure, it's free therapy. And that's free therapy. <laughs> yes. And going, 
Well, do you know, though, it's funny, I think I've changed my mind since I gave you those words of wisdom. Oh, really? Uh, that, uh, <laughs> well, many thanks for that. <laughs> I think I've probably ruined your life. an entire career around, <laughs> around the free therapy. Yeah, no, well, I do wonder whether you... Yeah, it's interesting what you keep back for yourself. Because, actually, you look at someone like Sarah Silverman, let's take her as our example, mm-hmm. and you go, yeah, she's incredibly brave and incredibly fearless, but she's not. she doesn't do personal material. And she was actually there accompanied by Jimmy Carr, who... Similarly, you go. He's an they're mates apparently, and then, but you know, again, he's a very uh, you know controversial comedian. But you don't really ever, none of his material is personal. No, and I think, I think people actually, if if you want to be sort of controversial and shocking, then in a way, you are better off commercially. Uh, not revealing too much about yourself because I think people do find it really uncomfortable when they go this is the person on stage is talking about their pain but then I quite like that. I quite like that yeah, so, I mean, I, but, but I also I also feel as well that there's so many people that we're in the position where we can talk about stuff and I I mean there's stuff that I keep I the stuff I hold back for me because I look at someone like Katie Price and I think my gosh I feel bad for her because she's shared so much and she's opened her life so much that she doesn't, she hasn't kept anything back for herself. And when you see her interviewed or talking, she's so brittle. Like, yeah, well, I think it's because she hasn't processed it. I mean, you know, the, the beauty of comedy is it gives you a built-in uh, sort of waiting, cooling-off period because you have to have had long enough to think of some jokes about the thing. So you have to be able to at least have come to terms with it enough to laugh about it. And I think, yeah, that's the problem with her is it's like she's not in a position where she can like I if if. Justin, my husband, were to, uh, you know, cheat on me while I was six months pregnant with my best friend. I wouldn't tweet about it immediately, not because I wouldn't be feeling as much pain as her. You know, I think it's such an awful thing to happen. But I wouldn't tweet about it. Can I get an hour long show out of this? Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) I need to save this until I've got enough to say about it. But also, yeah, I wouldn't want to. You know, I'd go. Well, that's not funny. You know, people follow me because I'm a comedian. They don't want to. So I think, yeah, there is that. You know, again, this is sort of interesting in terms of when comedians move into doing other things like writing novels or writing plays. plays. There is something quite freeing about not having to make anything funny. Really? That you go, well, it doesn't. But Com- just comedy hasn't served me well in castings. The amount of castings I go into and go, oh, well, they all laughed. I know, yeah. I know. <laughs> it was a drama it part was a you went for. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is a. It is true, you just think the laugh is the most important thing. And actually, some of the best, you know, again, talking about Edinburgh or longer length stand-up comedy, um, you know, a lot of the best shows, you kind of come out of them and you go, God, I didn't actually laugh as much. You know, it's not like, I mean, I love Tim Vine and I will laugh for an hour solidly at his stuff and I think he's brilliant. But I also enjoy, you know, going to, well, you know, Kitson, of course, the, the classic example. Where you you go oh, actually I didn't you know I didn't laugh nonstop but it was it was something to it was entertaining yeah it was entertaining and thought provoking and all those sort of things and I think yeah it's just interesting isn't it with comedy I think it's like food that sometimes you want fast food sometimes you want comfort food sometimes you want a big bleeding steak <laughs> who's the big bleeding steak of comedy <laughs> <laughs> there's something to ponder. <laughs> Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, yeah, Grover. <laughs> Ricky Grover, big Because he's, he's, you know, he's satisfying, <laughs> uh huh, yet also, uh, you know, quite filling, <laughs> <laughs> quite bloody. 
Sorry, Ricky. Are you going to move into PR anytime soon, Ricky? The satisfyingly bloody. I was going to going back to Jimmy Carr. That's what I'm going to say because I think Jimmy's a great comic. Yeah. And I took an older friend of mine who is a lawyer and lectures in feminism at uh, in a university in London, and she was really upset by him and thought he was the most sexist thing, sexist misogynist thing he'd ever she'd ever seen, and she was appalled. Well, misogyny in comedy is kind of the the hot topic. I didn't register because I, I guess I mean I don't know about you, but I've been in comedy clubs where they've you know the boys have been chatting and all and cuntness and fuck that and blah 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 and there'll be a girl backstage and someone will say a word and they'll be like guys there's a lady present you're like dude I've been here all night well you see I always, I was always shocked the first time someone told me that they tone it down like because when, when there's a female girl yeah, again no, I was like, oh my god this is the toned down version of what happened oh my god um, but I do think it's sort of a generational thing as well I think that there is a sort of there's much less swagger generally about comedy now there is a bit more uh, I don't know it's interesting I think as in the rest of culture there's just a really interesting debate at the moment going on about whether um, there's an increase in misogyny yeah there is sort of there seems to be a kind of but I sort of felt like we experienced in the 90s that kind of um, you know the anti-feminist backlash and I kind of thought it was getting better and I think there is a sort of new wave of feminism and and also just a kind of a bit more of a sort of thoughtful attitude amongst men and male comics, certainly. But um, but then I suppose once you start to sort of examine culture again, then you realise, oh yeah, we did, you know, we did fall back so far. We've got a lot to a lot of time to make up. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's the internet, or what do you think it is? Um, it's the internet. <laughs> and that's my final no, word. I, no, I, I think no, it's I really interesting. Some of the stuff that comes out now, there's not a chance I would have come up against at university, like in the, in the 90s. Yeah. Some of the stuff that you see now, you think, and the sort of hate culture and the. Well, I, I, I think, think that's, that's what I mean, is I think that this has actually been brewing since then, because I think the 80s were a kind of a period of reflection on the, on the last wave of feminism, and mm. then sort of now then we had the 90s where I think all this stuff was fermenting and then it's like now we've kind of gone oh my god right it's come to a head and now we're actually sort of addressing it this is my hope is that it's kind of like you know you always have to have a period of regression followed by an examination yeah exactly exactly I think it's that's my my hopeful take on it anyway is that in the last podcast I talked to my daughter and her friend about things like that and um about feminism and I asked them what feminism meant and they both Really, without a break, we went most strong woman, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It didn't have the negative connotations that it had. There was a while when, you, if you said I was a feminist, people were like, "Oh, you don't have to be a feminist. You're attractive." Yeah. And you were like, "Oh no, no, feminism isn't about putting lipstick on, yeah. and having to justify the fact that you want, you know, wanting equality with men." Just seems such a ludicrous. I know. Argument. When I sort of got, I remember having a review <clears throat> uh, in the early two thousands. Of a show that I'd done and um, in which I'd talked about being or just identified as a feminist. I hadn't really talked about feminism. I just said, "Oh, you know, because I'm a feminist." Blah blah blah. And um, the review mentioned that the all the guys in the toilets afterwards were saying, "Oh, bloody hell! I didn't like the feminist bit." But you know, and it's really interesting. Oh, I was like, "Well, I didn't even, you know, I literally just used the word." So I mean, it was the word <laughs> that must have been the what feminist they were reacting. Or, three seconds, or they were, I don't know, you know. But but yeah, and I sort of think that now, obviously the the discourse is, is 
that has been taken into comedy by you know like Bridget Christie's show and you know. I remember like because I did a show and Bridget and I were in the same uh, venue and we had a conversation because one of my reviews said Wendy Wason's best joke is at the expense of her ex-husband who was and mentioned what my ex-husband did oh, really? and what he was well known for <laughs> and of course Bridget said the same his, thing his Gary Glitter show <laughs> <laughs> he's best known for missing the story in the Gary Glitter story but um Bridget had the same thing. She said she, that she's, you know, the amount of times that she's been reviewed and they mention who she's married to, and you're kind of like, yeah, yeah. can this just be about my show? Does it have to be? I know. Do you need the whole thing? It's true. But then I do talk about my husband so much that I feel I get it. I get it in first. I get my retaliation in first, as they say. But yeah, it's um, yeah. I mean, you know, and I have noticed like my reviews have become less sexist over the years. Have they? Yeah, because I think reviewers have wised up. I think gradually, you know, things are changing. But I think, you know, it, we just but need even to... reviewers have their agenda. You know, when you see an agenda, like you get a review in Edinburgh, and you're thinking, is this reviewing my show or is this you applying for a job at the Guardian? Yeah, well, I mean, but good that now they feel that they can't review the way you look or who your partner is because they know that that won't be acceptable and that you will go on Twitter going, "What the hell is this about?" <laughs> they can slap you off in more <laughs> creative ways. <laughs> they can under- so your stand-up show as well your stand-up show is at five, five o'clock no it's lunchtime lunchtime you said yeah. sorry no sorry. I used to do five o'clock I've, I've been clawing my way back from the eleven o'clock late at night okay. shows I'm gradually getting earlier and earlier so I was five o'clock last time lunchtime one o'clock this, this year oh cool so yeah I am um, basically I'll be done my entire day will be done one o'clock is a good one because if you want to go out and have a drink you can have a drink and you won't be ruined for the morning but if you want to um yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah. want to lie in, you can have a lie in because it's one o'clock. Well, uh, to me now, a lie in, you know, I mean, the, the nature of Edinburgh does change very much post parenthood, obviously. And uh, so, yeah, there, there were years, like probably a decade, where the idea of doing or even going to see a show at one o'clock in the afternoon would have been unthinkable, let alone 11 o'clock yeah. like the play. I mean, that would just be nuts. <laughs> Um, I don't think I knew the festival started at 11 o'clock no, when no, I was no. in my 20s. No, I mean, uh, there was one year, and this was a dark. God, that was a dark year, 1999. I was, yeah, I was there filming, doing a film. I was doing that Bill Hicks film. Where? Filming at the festival with Kerry Godleman. Oh my God. Bizarrely. Well, it was a, well, it was quite a year. If you, I don't know if you remember. <laughs> it was a crazy, well, most of them were though. Yeah, yeah, the late 90s, but I have to say were my kind of, uh, yeah, definitely my wilderness years in terms of Edinburgh. But yeah, I mean, there was a show, we did a show, I was with doing a show with other comics. Who were you doing it with? Uh, I don't know if I should name names, but uh, it was... Go for it, name names. <laughs> don't tell us anything about them, but just name names. Uh, Rob Rouse. Rana Rob Rouse, yeah. Dan Antopolsky. Mm-hmm. And Tony Law. Oh, wow. And uh, it was the most fun, and we had the most amazing time, but we were wrecked. And <laughs> we, d- like, I mean, just trying to make it to the... And the show was at, like, quarter to 11 at night. <laughs> and that was about when I felt ready to face the world. <laughs> and then... And then, you know, we'd sort of stay up through the night and, uh, oh my God, it was... Uh, it was I think that year I stood up drinking all night with Phil Kay and then Phil said, we need to line our stomachs after drinking all night. Yeah. And we went, and he was earning lots of money, so he took us for breakfast mm. to the, um, the the Balmoral Hotel. <laughs> oh, I bet they were delighted so to see you. So it was all about, there was like six of us and like all these American tourists. <laughs> I think we stank yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure someone had been sick down there. It was that kind of sort of... Yeah. Well, I had, um, yeah, Rob Rouse was sick all down the stairs in our, <laughs> so we were in one of the, you know, a, a tenement. And... Uh, 
and I was woken up, I think, you know, you'd gone to bed at like six or seven and then woken up again at eight by one of the neighbours <laughs> saying someone had been sick on the stairs. And I was like, I'm sure, I'm sure it wasn't anyone from our flat. And they were like, well, this, the signs would suggest otherwise, given it starts outside your flat <laughs> and then goes all the way down. Oh, so. no. Oh, crazy times, crazy. I mean, you know, I, I would hate my daughter to do this. That's the thing, is you go, ah. Oh, Are so you going to be honest with her about your 20s? I think I'll have, well, yeah, I mean, obviously I'll have to be, but then I, I suspect... Because <laughs> it's she, on the internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have never been shy of talking about it. No one believes it, but I've never been shy of talking about it. So, yeah. <laughs> Christian, vegan, Lucy yeah, Porter yeah, yeah. makes up her raucous past. I mean, I am vegetarian now, as it happens. Are you? Oh, yeah. You go vegetarian every five minutes, and then I'll, I'll let like, you come around here. And if I'm cooking chicken, you're like, oh. It's a terrible, it's a terrible. How long weakness. have you been vegan for this time? No, I'm not, I'm not vegan. I've been vegetarian for about uh, six months. Okay. <laughs> With I've, any lapses? Uh, not thus far. <laughs> I did manage a month of veganism, but that was, that is hardcore. It is hardcore. But I quite, you know, I, got, wait, I was cooking last week, and an hour before everyone arrived, Stephen said, hello. And she's vegan now, mate. I'm going to need more than an hour's warning. Although, the nice thing about vegans is they are so grateful for anything that you do because it's so hard. Like, because my sister is, and my sister's been vegan for years. And, um, and it's, <laughs> the great thing about vegans is they're just happy to be vegetarian. <laughs> well, it's like new parents. And, you know, there are times in your life where you feel like you are, like when I was, um, you know, first going out after having had the kids and being sort of, you know, just a sort of recluse for a while. And like going anywhere is just so exciting. I was like, oh my god, I you know, like really terrible pubs and. I peaked to earlier. I remember um, going to see a friend recording a show called The Live Rose Show in mm-hmm. Scotland. And it was the first time I'd left Isabella, who's now 12. And I. It was the first time I had I'd stopped, breast, I'd stopped breastfeeding so I could drink. Yeah. And I got properly shouting at Al Murray, shouting at <laughs> <laughs> And Al Murray shouts back. <laughs> Whoever allowed you. I mean, you know, that that was a foolish decision on everyone's part, wasn't it? Yes. They'd be like, you've not drunk before. Here, here, here's a bottle of wine. <gasps> oh, dear. Here's a bottle of wine and a live TV recording. <laughs> I didn't do the show. I was watching the show. I was watching the show. I know, but yes, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have allowed you if I had known. I wouldn't have allowed you. To be <laughs> but yes, gratitude, I think, is something. Well, I do feel I get more grateful as the years go by. And doing things like becoming a vegan, it kind of helps you because then you either stick with it, which is amazing, because mm-hmm. I think in terms of health and animal welfare, it's a brilliant thing to do, or you don't, and then you really enjoy having cheese. <laughs> That's where I'm I at right I think I'd miss cheese. Yeah, it is difficult. But I think what, what you need to do... What do you miss the most when you're vegan? Um, definitely cheese but what you need to do is just not have cheese for ages and then veg- the vegan cheese tastes alright it's like you know when you don't have meat for ages and then corn is fine and you go well corn tastes exactly like meat I mean you know it's exactly the same as meat and then you have actual meat and you go oh no it, does. <laughs> it really doesn't but, but weirdly I went to this place called Don Lenoir have you heard about it? in the dark yeah in the black dining in the dark um it was very funny actually because we went there and it's for it's a restaurant. Is it an all year round thing? It's an it all year round up? thing. It's in Clerkenwell and it's um, pitch <laughs> black naturally. If people don't know Clerkenwell, <laughs> uh, it's the uh, wanker <laughs> capital of London, which is the wanker capital of Britain. So it's like yeah, wankers. It's quite a high level of wanker. Yeah. Apparently, it's um, Kate Middleton and oh, the Duchess of. Duchess of Cambridge. Cambridge. Please give her her Sorry, Duchess of Cambridge and Prince William's favourite restaurant, 
because and they were like because they go in there and nobody knows they're in there apart from the, the royal security detail parked outside yeah well what they don't know is everyone else in there is just their security <laughs> um so you go in it's pitch black and uh, the waiters are all blind uh-huh. so they you, you put your hand on their shoulder and they guide you and they sit you down and they say here's the edge of the table and here they put your hand on the edge of your glass so you've got a vague idea where everything is and you just have to you order from the menu and you can have the vegetarian menu or the the mixed menu or the or the just meat menu. I could have the meat menu and you pretend. Could. You could pretend. <laughs> no one would know. But weirdly, when you've got one sense removed, when you have your eyes removed, it focuses everything else. Mm-hmm. When you have your eyes removed, when you have sight, you, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you have to go in and get your eyeballs extracted, <laughs> which is a little painful, but it's worth it for the experience. Everyone in Clark going, it's just amazing though. No, because actually, they've had my eyes they removed. They give you your eyeballs back, really, it's fine. Um, but... But the first course they brought us out and it was like I think it was the first thing was like um I think it was uh, spinach and feta thing and that tasted really nice mm-hmm. and then there was a little sausages at, for the main course and they taste they, it was like fingers yeah, yeah, the yeah, texture yeah. was oh I thought I don't, I don't like this <laughs> <laughs> I really don't like this because the texture of meat was just so awful isn't that interesting yeah 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 well I think yeah because when I have been off meat for a while then yeah you do it it absolutely disgusts you but what i find interesting about myself is that i can get to that level <laughs> that's a cute being... that's, that's a true comic phrase what i find interesting about me <laughs> exactly not just about me for a little bit longer um but yeah i can be so utterly disgusted by the idea of meat and then and then kind of go oh, actually it's all right you know like a few months later or a few years later it's that willful ignorance that it's like i think that. i could kill do you think yeah <laughs> I do. I think that oh I could God. kill without remorse. Uh, really? If it were... <laughs> I'm just writing these things down so that when I do the introduction to the podcast, I can include things like she could Lucy Porter wants remorse. to kill. Well, I obviously have a very fluid sense of, of ethics and, uh, you know, I, I've always wished I had a stronger moral compass. And uh, I always I think, think of you as quite to... a moral person. Well, I try, but then I think it is, it's an effort. I don't think that I am naturally moral. I think that I am uh, the, the beast within me is ever far from the surface. And, uh... and if you were to kill, what would be your um, murder weapon of choice, a la Cluedo? Would uh, you go for a candlestick? I would dream of killing with my fists. Oh, really? I really wish. I've only ever punched someone once, and that person was Dara O'Brien. Uh, did you punch him in anger or or did it felt good yeah no I punched him for a show (laughs) for Mark Watson's uh, Mark Watson was doing a show in Edinburgh about and it was the challenge was do something you've never done before and I'd never punched anyone and I said I quite fancy the idea of doing that and so they got Dara O'Brien to stand there (gasps) where did you punch him well the audience were offered the choice they said, oh my God. you can either see her punch this him like in the head. This is like some kind of Roman amphitheatre. I know, it was. Well, they said, head's done for genitals. And naturally, you can they imagine the, the audience went for the genitals, but we decided that that might actually be dangerous, so we went for the stomach. And uh, because also, yeah, we just thought head or genitals really would be stupid. But um, but yeah, no, I've Who puts comedians flinch. in charge of a show? Like... <laughs> um, he didn't flinch. Didn't flinch, not even. Did a, you hit him as hard as you could? Oh uh, yeah, I mean I didn't pull back at all, and it looks like it's on the internet. If people want to see it, it's on YouTube. Um, yeah, it, Lucy Porter it, hits Daryl. It, it was a real, it was an awful moment where I just realised that I will never be able to kill anyone with my fists. Oh really? Yeah. And that was an awful moment for you. Yeah. I, you know, some people might celebrate cherish that. Always the dream. <laughs> some people might <laughs> cherish the inability to kill someone. <clears throat> no, no, no. Have you ever shot a gun? No, oh now, what's that like? 
I we went to Valentine's Day obviously because we're the romantics, um, and we went to a we went to the Los Angeles Gun Club, mm. which I I wondered if like shooting a gun was like the opera, you know, because I don't really get opera, <laughs> and I know some people rave about it, yes, and yes, I thought yes. well maybe there's something in it that I just don't get. Why mm. don't we go and see? Mm. And so we went to this gun club, and it was in the sort of industrial estate in America, and it kind of you drive in and you kind of. You know, you know when you take a dog to the vet and he knows the route and he knows where he's going mm-hmm. and you can see the dog sort of going, mm-hmm. oh no, I don't like this. I yeah. kind of felt like that sort of, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't this isn't that. And we parked up and we went in and you walk in and there's guns. What's that noise? Did you I don't know. I thought that was, I, I heard that before and I didn't. Uh, it might be next door neighbours drilling. Sorry about that like noise. It's going to sound like we're breaking wind. So okay. I think, let's leave that in. <laughs> okay, let's leave that in. <laughs> In so fact, we, take that bit where we explain what it is and just let everyone think we're quiet. I should just get a whole selection of fart noises. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In fact, I think one of the first things you put on my um, mobile phone was my app store was Atomic Fart. Good, good, yeah. With the guy, under the guise of it's, it's for the children, Wendy. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, we're going to the Los Angeles Gun Club and it's like wall to wall guns and you fill in this form that says, uh, Are you over 25 or are you over 21? Tick yes. Do you have a history of psychological problems? Tick yes, tick no, mm. no. Here, what, what gun do you want? Wow. In under two minutes. Yeah. And then you, you and I was like, I don't know what kind of gun I want. Well, do you want a big bang, a medium bang, or a small bang? And I was like, oh, I guess a small bang. And do you want a big gun, medium gun, or a small gun? Mm. I'd recommend a small gun, ma'am, because mm. it gets really heavy after a while. And I was like, okay. So I had a small gun. Yeah. And then they asked how many bullets I want, and I'm like, four. <laughs> <laughs> Emma comes in rounds of 25, ma'am. One for each member of my family. <laughs> One for you, you, and you. And, then, and I was saying to, to Stephen at the time, well, what's to stop any of these people just turning around and opening fire on us all? And he went, nothing. No. And it cost $24 for two guns and 50 bullets. Mm-hmm. And we went in and we just shot. It was, and holding the gun, it was just terrifying. It was heavy. It was... You know you see it in films where the gun kicks back, but you can feel it sort of kicking back in your hand like a, it's a firework going up in your hand essentially isn't yeah, it yeah, and it yeah. just Ooh. the power is is terrifying yeah. but there's people who come and go oh didn't you love that wasn't that awesome hasn't it changed your life and I'm kind of oh, like it has changed my life oh. but it's terrified me mm. it's terrified me how cavalier some people are and there was like a wee boy next to us with his girlfriend and you know how you see in pubs in around the UK you'll see you know a 16 year old boy with a 15 year old or you know an 18 year old boy with a a, a yeah, girl yeah, and yeah. he's leaning over her showing her how to pot the ball ostensibly yeah, showing her how yeah, to pot the ball yeah. but he's actually rubbing up against behind, behind yeah. her but he was doing, he was that, doing with that with a gun. gun wow yeah you kind of go oh my god you're wooing her here that is scary and the worst thing about that story as you were telling it Wendy is all I could think was do you know I'd be really scared that I'd hurt myself <laughs> <laughs> I'm so this is just this podcast has just absolutely allowed me to realise how self-obsessed I am because <laughs> when you think about it kicking back and, like, you know, it's like a firework going off I could really hurt myself here I'm, just, I'm really not comfortable with this guns <laughs> guns are really dangerous for the people firing them who thinks about the people who shoot the guns well That's but the, the statistics show that most people who have a gun are injured by their own gun than yes, by their own yeah. and they always have it for a protection I know I mean yeah I don't I, I have no yeah, it's interesting I suppose I would like to kill someone with my fists I've got no <laughs> desire in fire, no desire to fire a gun right okay 
This is like a psychiatrist's chair for me. (laughs) You know, I said, don't use your actor's therapy. (laughs) Use this. This is the therapy. But this is where it's... I think it's important to examine yourself. It is, isn't it? It is, but... um, Stephen told me something every day that I kind of went, wow, boys are so different to to girls. He said that he dropped... um, I dropped him off the other day there, or... or, No, I think he dropped me off and I'd walked away. And I think it's a real difference in how men and how women think. And he looked at me and thought, she looks really fit. Yay me, I've got such a hot wife, I rule. And I was like, well, you didn't think to say, you look nice today, Wendy, or you look pretty. He was too busy congratulating yeah, himself. Well, okay. <laughs> I was like, that's a really nice thing to think. But, but then he be, did tell it, you yeah. that he But he said, he said, he said, he drove away and thought, I should probably tell Wendy. <laughs> oh, can yeah. I tell the story that we were talking about, about the male comedian who... Because I don't, I often don't think I won't say who. Don't it tell was. names. No, no, no. Okay. no. Um, but yeah, because I, you know, you do always go. Oh, it's so like you don't want to do material about the differences between men and women because it's so hack. But I think the the social condition. I think, you know what, I think it's hack to talk about hack now. I think I think let's just draw yeah. a line under hack and yeah, talk about everything. Yeah, cats true. and dogs, men and women. Exactly. Because everyone wants to talk about cats because you know that because my timeline on Twitter and Facebook yeah. is clogged up with fucking cats mm, and mm, and seventy percent of the people posting them are comedians. Yeah. It's difficult though, isn't it? Anyway, let me tell the story. Sorry, tell the story. Um, so, yes, a male comedian of our acquaintance was talking about uh, a, an act who is a, he's just a bit full of himself and he shows off quite a lot. And, and he humble and brags standing, quite a lot, doesn't he? He does that kind of, oh, God, I'm a bit, bit tired today, actually, because uh, I just had a really, really lucrative corporate gig last night. So. <laughs> Um, but uh, what was interesting was this other comic said to Wendy and I, oh, I found out a brilliant way to deal with him. What you do is when he when he says something about, you know, some amazing job he's done, you just go, oh, well done. God, that sounds great. Well done, you. And Wendy and I were both like, but that's what women do to men all the time. How is this a revelation to you that that stops men showing yeah. off? Is that what we, we just go, yeah, well done. Well done, well done, you. But it was, I just thought that was really interesting. That, uh, but, he, but he was Because also, the guy he was talking about, like a load of male comics do that. Like lots of... And lots women go the other way. We tend to be way too self-deprecating. Yeah. You know, and you go, we need to find a middle ground where the women aren't constantly going, oh yeah, I did, I did do that gig, but it was really shit and I was rubbish and, you know... Yeah. yeah, okay, I played to 10,000 people, but, you know, it was... You know, Nobody laughed. Yeah, and the men kind of... Go, I ripped up. it! <laughs> and you're like, yeah, that was a yeah, shoe I wish cupboard. I could rip it like you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is so, interesting. Anyway, it was, uh, I found that as a... But what I thought was funny was he was saying that the way to take the wind out of his sails is just to be positive about it, rather than try and get him off the subject. And yeah. we kind of go, well, yeah... Yeah, well, it's what you know. You just go. It's just quite nice if someone's proud of something. Then you go, well, fair enough. Yeah. It doesn't hurt me. Whereas I think there is that sort of, you know, I certainly I don't feel I'm in competition with other comics. I think as much as the men do, and maybe that's because, you know, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm in competition with people in a way that if someone tells me a story about them doing well, I don't feel that undermines my. You don't think it means that, or, what you you don't hear what well, I'm shit if he's doing so well. Yeah. Yeah. But some people do think that, though. Yeah, and I think that way madness lies. I think that is the difficulty. I suppose, actually, maybe in, in my younger years, I was a bit more, you know, like, oh, 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 you know, if they've got that gig, then, you know... What about what was left for me? Yeah. Do you think having having children makes you more generous? I think age, parenthood, all, all the things, really. I don't know. What, what, <laughs> all the stuff. All the things, all the awful things. All the stuff we strive <laughs> for. All the, but, um, the successes I've achieved. Yeah, no, but, uh, yeah, no, I definitely think I am less competitive 
than I used to be because I don't really I've never really been that competitive. I'm very competitive in pub quizzes. You are. I think that's where I sort of channel my. Uh, I have been known to come home from. Um, I th- I thought the other week there that I, that I should probably come clean to my husband at some point that I have come home from a from a gig, had a glass of wine at the gig, and rather than going straight home, there is um, a quiz machine in the pub next to the tube. Oh, I have gone that. in. I have gone in on the way home for a quick. That's a good. For a quick round. It's. I always think the difficult thing. I think it's always best not to confess to your husband, but just to do it in your podcast. Because <laughs> yes, <exactly. laughs> let's face it, they're fucking listen. I know. Well, that's like me. I, I talk about Justin in my act the whole time, and you never come to see it, so I'm absolutely fine. You're safe. You're safe. Yeah, it's all good. But um, also, yeah, I do think you have to have something when you come back from a gig. Uh, it's always a hard thing to explain to people who aren't comics, but that adrenaline management. So doing something like having a glass of wine or doing a quiz machine or... I mean, I always find that if I can walk home from a gig or... The worst is when you do a gig and then you're in the car and then you get out of the car and you're like, oh, now I've got the adrenaline of the gig plus the sort of adrenaline of driving and I haven't done anything to dissipate it and then you can't sleep when you get home. It's a it's, it's an awful. Crap. I feel like and I'm, Candy Crush just doesn't do it for you. No, well, I have got I've got a word game on my phone that has become my sort of meditative decompress uh, sort of state that I can zone out. I mean, I should just learn What's to meditate called? more effectively. It's called uh, Bookworm. I Bookworm. Think. It's just like a really you got a, basic a word letters. Oh, is it? Is it like that? What's that? I don't know. It's like you've got, it gives you various letters, and you've got to make a few different um, words out of it. It's good. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll go for that one. Yeah, because that's the kind of thing I'll just find. Otherwise, I'd think about the gig and or stuff, and yeah. it just makes. I I would like to, in a, another life, or maybe on retirement. Um, psychology is definitely the field that I think I would go into. Really? Do you think you're going to retire? Ever? I would. I yeah, think. You know, or, or I'll change direction a bit, I think. What do you think you'd do? Psychology? Uh, I'd like to, but I mean, you know, yeah. I always really wanted to do social anthropology, but there's kind of not really any... It would depend if I really need money, which I think I always will, <laughs> <laughs> because I've got enough of it. But yeah, I think, uh, yeah, social anthropology would be my number one. Psychology, the social sciences, really. Yeah. That's what I'm interested in. I'm just interested in people. Um, I always worry about the thought of retiring and think I'd quite like to, at some point, stop doing what I'm doing and doing something completely different. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember being after a gig, going to a late night members club for some food and sitting there and having some dinner, um, which I try not to do because if I eat late at night, I can't sleep. But it was one of those things where I just thought, I've got to eat. Yeah. And Jackie Mason came in and sat down next to me at a table and had started having his dinner after one of his London gigs. Wow. And I did that classic, I don't want to go up to, you know, it's Jackie, I can't not go up yeah. to Jackie Mason. So I kind of went, oh, I'm really sorry to do this, but I'm a comic and I, you know, I think you were, go, don't talk to me about great, you think I'm great, let me tell you about great. And I was kind of like, oh no, no, it's fine, you don't have to do a bit. I'm a comic, oh, comics, don't talk to me about comics. And I was kind of like, oh my God, you actually can't, Yes, switch yes, it off. Yes. You can't stop it. You, you know, he's probably got five minutes on talk, coming up to me in restaurants. Don't talk to me about coming. The whole thing. I just kind of, my God, you don't have a, you don't have an off button. No, that's it. That's no. it forever. Yeah, and you know, it'd oh, be some quite people are like that. <laughs> but then you wonder, was he always like that, or does that come with just having done it so long? I don't know. 
I'm tempted to think that he's it's kind of programmed into his brain now. Yeah. It's that kind of... Yeah, your neural pathways have become so... So, you know, he's like, well-trodden. 80-odd now? Yeah, yeah. But then, I mean, I also think I... As much as I kind of go, oh, yeah, you know, I'd like to do something different, but then um, it is really addictive, and it might be hard to stop. But in fact, because I did stop, you know, I had a couple of years off. What um, did you do in a couple of years off? Uh, thought about stand-up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, very little, which was kind of nice. I sort of wasted it in a way, but, um, you know, I was looking after children. When I say very little, I was birthing and raising my children. But, um, but yeah, I, I never had any doubt, actually, that I was going to go back to it. I never thought, oh, well, actually, maybe this is my opportunity to do something different. I did kind of think, oh, well, I'll go back. Because it is, I do absolutely love a good gig. I love and a connection. I despise a bad gig, but it's you know that isn't enough to cancel it out, is it? Do you think on average you have more good gigs, more bad gigs, or more average gigs? Uh, they all kind of feel a bit average now. Really? It's like a drug. I think yeah. I always feel and in a nice you know that's nice. Like they all feel nice. So stand ups like crystal meth then. But to get yes, to get an amazing high now. There's you know that is. I'm trying to think couple of times in the last year actually I've had you know just and not necessarily because of prestige of venue or amount of money you're being paid or anything mm-hmm. certainly not that actually unfortunately I just don't have that sense but it's um yeah it was it, you know just occasionally like on tour I'd have one gig where I'd be like God, that was really really good fun and I really felt like that sense of flow where you're lost in the moment and you're reacting to stuff and you just have absolutely no sense of self. It's Again, it's sort of meditative, isn't it? That yeah. you feel like you've and surrendered it, your thought. And you're not doing material, you're just riffing. Well, or doing material, but doing it really well and mm. segueing in and out of bits of chatting and, and coming up with new ideas. Or, you know, just, yeah, that sense of... Uh, being being in the moment. Watching the way your eyes are sparkling talking about these gigs. I, know. I don't think you're going to But then t- let me tell you about some bad gigs and then you'll see the pain. But you're all shiny eyed and like, and then, and then, and then. Like a joke, I know. It is, it's, it my is. husband equates it to be, uh, being a comic to being like a, a crack addict. Yeah. Because if you're in a new town or somewhere and you're away there for a week <laughs> and you walk by and you're like, oh, there's a gig. I could just go and do a gig. Yeah, yeah. And it's really dangerous because you can't just walk on and go, can I do five minutes? And people, and I'm a comic. People will say, yeah, sure, on you go. And if you do a good five minutes, you're getting asked back. Yeah, yeah. So wherever, yeah. you know, wherever you go, if you're half decent, because they want to come back. should have some kind of AA, some sort of rehabilitation for people who want to give up comedy but can't. Because there are too many Hi, now. my name's Lucy. It's been a week since my last gig. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a gig! <laughs> it's a captive audience! I'm getting a laugh! Yay! I know it's a very I mean yeah I suppose rehab for comedians is just you have to go and sit in a room on your own and think about what you've done for a while or listen to other people talking oh Oh. (laughs) I know I got invited on a head night recently where uh, they were going to a comedy club and I was like I just I cut for so many reasons I cannot come to that part of your head night and I felt really you know awful I was like oh no that's that is terrible but you know what I remember I did force myself to go did you I did was it a good gig Right. Okay. <laughs> I am. It was the kind of gig you go to on a headlight. Oh no! <laughs> so, Chicken in a basket. Well, it was just, yeah, just and I just found it very um, yeah, I just found it very very difficult. Also because I didn't want to go backstage and try and hang out or anything because I was like, well, I'm on the headlight. Didn't they wanted you to go backstage and introduce the comic? Uh, oh yeah, I don't. I've got. I never thought of that. How terribly selfish of me. 
Well, you know, some people like to read comics. Oh my god, <laughs> I would selfish. never dream I... anyone would want to. Oh no, <laughs> they must have thought, what a dick. Well, go with Lucy and she'll introduce us to all the comics. <laughs> no. We'll go backstage, it'll be amazing. It'll be a hen night to remember. I thought, oh, why would you want? Because we know what backstage is like. But yeah, you're right. Oh, I've made a terrible phone All about you. I won't be invited to the wedding now, will I? That's it. <laughs> You'll be able to bring in your famous comedy mates. They went with their going to bet Jimmy Carr's there with Sarah Silverman. We'll hang out. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I was going to, to talk one more thing. Oh, yeah, we're, talk, we're talking about sort of women being sort of inclusive and, li- and going, oh, yeah, well done, you. Mm-hmm. I'm writing this sitcom at the minute, and one of the, th- the notes I got back from it was the fact that if I'm the central character, I have to have all the funny lines. Yes. But I've given them all away to everyone else because I want yeah. the whole thing to be nice, and apparently yeah. that's not how it works. No, it's a funny, uh, you know, it's interesting when you watch Not Going Out, I always think that's a really good example of Tim Vide and Lee Mack have all the funny jokes. You know, oh, really? And then what they've done, actually, which is quite good, is bring in sort of writer-performer women as well, because I think, you know, the poor woman in that, who is actually, I think, a very good actress, but like... She's got nothing. Oh, my God, the face <laughs> of it, you know, standing there while the boys do their thing. So yeah, you've kind of got to do that for yourself, isn't it? But, yeah, but it's not kind of you want you want the whole thing to be good rather than just. Well, you do, and I mean the truly great, 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 great sitcoms are ensemble pieces rather than you know. One well, person. but I mean Seinfeld. Look at Seinfeld. I mean actually, he's the stand-up, but he's the straight guy. He kind of is, yeah. Because then you got those really big cartoonish performances from. Yeah, yeah. Michael Michael Richards. Michael Racist Richards. <laughs> <laughs> So well, you know, we all have our bad days. Sure. <laughs> we all have our bad days. <laughs> um, what else was I going to ask you about? I was going to ask. Um, oh yes, fearlessness. Mm. I was going to um, ask you about if you are like in terms of you, you want to be fear, fearless, yeah. and you want to be a bit edgier. Is there a subject that you'd love to touch on, but you're terrified to? I should do. I think a gig where I try and be sort of because I remember they used to do a gig in Edinburgh which was like the nasty show or something I think they did it in Melbourne and then they took it over to Edinburgh and uh, it was always really pathetic because it was just people doing their rudest bits of their set and that's exactly what I did I just Mm -hmm. did the the rudest material I had Um, but yeah I would like to do a genuinely kind of well I'd like to do something about punching someone to death with my bare hands (laughs) maybe that's the way to go I think you've shown me that the darker side of my nature is killing a man is killing a man yeah yeah yeah, I think that, you know, your darkest thoughts. I mean, I have tried to do... I did once try and do a sort of a, a routine about abortion and just got the feeling that the audience were like, oh, we're not... Sorry, no. <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> not you. Not, not you. Not maybe them. Tom stays. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think there were probably all sorts of reasons for that as well. It's like it wasn't... I hadn't actually kind of thought about it properly. Um, you know, you just... I think if you if you want to be... Uh, edgy and controversial you have to work an awful lot harder like I mean I think Frankie Boyle works incredibly hard and writes amazing jokes because if he doesn't people go well he's just being offensive and no reason and you know the thing is he's undeniably funny Jimmy Carr the same you know you you know it's hilarious and you can debate the rights and wrongs of it but as a comic you never I don't know, it is a terrible, terrible thing that as a comic I will, uh, in some cases, uh, suspend my moral judgement for the sake of a good gag, where I'll go, oh, you shouldn't have told that gag, but 
<laughs> and I just, it doesn't change. I don't think that it doesn't mean that my morality has been corrupted. Um, uh, and it isn't, you know, I don't know, it is interesting. I don't think comedians have a duty to be moral or right or reasonable. I think that if you think if it's funny, funny, it's funny. Then you should be given. Doesn't serve you well in real in real life, though, does it? It's, it's, the amount oh, of times that like my husband said something and I've gone, oh, yeah. I've got a really funny line for oh, that. Because yeah. <laughs> like once Stephen said to me, um, "I love you so much, Wendy." Sometimes <laughs> this is so awful. Where it was a romantic dinner, and where, um, he said, "I love you something. I love you so much." Sometimes I just can't express how much I love you. <laughs> Maybe if you read more, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible, but you know, I did battle for at least you know a minute. But you can't battle for that long, otherwise the moment's gone, isn't it? That's the problem. Is that actually you have to have? But yeah, see, that kind of uh, doing that in real life, I think, is a good sign that you have the fearlessness as a comic that you need because uh, you know I do. I think I, I will often, and I've got better at this because I used to doing panel shows. I always used to find that I would let the moment go of saying the thing like you know you're on a panel show and someone makes a gag and there's a really obvious topper to it and I would always have that moment thinking oh you could say that oh but I shouldn't say that because you know everyone will think that and that's really obvious and then by the time I've thought that a, a Tell bloke panel shows. has leapt in and said the obvious oh, thing right. and got a massive laugh and you're like well I was thinking that because <laughs> <laughs> you've done a lot of panel shows haven't you and I love them now I hated them to start with oh really and I love them now yeah I always it's a real shame, I think, that you do... And this is going to sound like old old lady comedy talking, but I think you do get put on panel shows sometimes before you're ready uh-huh. um, because you need to have an incredible amount of confidence to do them, I think. And that only comes from you know years of stage time and being really comfortable with your own persona and feeling like you have got something to say and you've got a valid contribution to make and I feel like when I started doing panel shows I was there always with people who were way more experienced than me and I always felt a little bit um you know awed and shy and I wouldn't feel comfortable speaking up really and I would always do that thing of Mm self-censoring or panicking about what I was going to say and then just again you know age parenthood um, general not giving a shit so much uh, I, I love doing them now I mean I'm, you know I, I have a much better time I feel kind of it, it's actually enjoyable in a way that it used to be a bit of a trauma do you think that um, that might be the reason they don't put female comics on because not so so often I know mm-hmm. you've done some but um, I was watching one of them and it was like there was like sort of four comics who could sell out a theatre and then a couple of a, a female TV presenter yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. wondering if she doesn't realise the the playing field she's on because yes. she doesn't know that they're you know what what they're whereas when we go Very into that situation point. there's no status there's no status there because she doesn't know whereas we yeah. know they can sell out a theatre and we might yeah. you know yeah, that's very good. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that, but yes. And that kind of maybe looking at the opposite end of it, and, and talking myself out of a gig. But <laughs> yes. I, I just wondered if it was not a thing for a TV presenter who, or a model or a pop star who doesn't know. Yeah, that, yeah. You know. Yeah, because I also think I mean it is difficult for male comics who don't fit into a certain, uh, you know, who aren't sort of mainstream, very uh, accessible. You know, it's kind of difficult for them. So yeah, I do think. I mean, yeah, the the whole debate about panel shows has been quite interesting. 
because I think it, it's good and it is right that you should have at least one woman, possibly two, because I think that the only way to make it easier is to make it easier. <laughs> and um, and also we're not like, what, what it's saying to our daughters is like, you're 51% of the population, but you're not represented here. And everyone's fine with that. Yeah. We're all fine with it. Just yeah. shush, we're all fine with and it. it. Shh, and actually, down. you know, you do step up as well, like, because I got invited on a panel show recently and I'm pretty sure it was just because <laughs> they were like, oh, we need to have the one woman that we need to have and we haven't got one. And uh, I went on and I really enjoyed it and I think, you know, it went well, they'd have me back. And it, you sort of go, well, yeah, so actually that tokenism has served me pretty well. And can we, can we say what final no. show that was? <laughs> no, we can't. I'm really quite excited about that final show, no? <laughs> no, I'm doing okay. a few. I'm doing a few. I'm okay. Doing a... Um, is there anything that we can catch you on soon? We're going to wind this up now because we need to go and do some work for our Edinburgh show. We can uh, sit here gas all day, can't we? Come and see the Edinburgh show. We've got, to, we've got to get these written. We've got to get these written. Emily? Emily? I'm just you my daughter's name. I'm going to be flattered by that. You love your daughter, your daughter very much. I, I, I can do. only assume that you love I me do. just as much, you if not more. You remind me of her with your <laughs> sticky-faced charms. <laughs> uh, yeah, come and see our Edinburgh shows. That's the most important thing. That's all we need to focus on for now. We need to focus on that for now, so we need a time and a place. So I Well, see, now the play... <laughs> the play is called yeah, the Are you Googling yourself? Are you I actually Googling yourself to see what... Um, yeah, the see, play... if you were an American, American comics would be like, and you can catch me on ABC <laughs> yes. at 4pm. I've, I've seen yes. American comics so do it Pacific and they're on time, it. Pacific time. Pacific time. Uh, just, give us, just give us the GMT time so before I... we can catch your show. <laughs> for the entire month... Is it the entire month of August for the play? No, I've got... The play is the entire month at 11 o'clock at the Assembly Rooms on George Street. There we go. In and Edinburgh. I know that one. And then the... Stand is where I'm doing my solo show. I am going to say it's on at 12.45. You're going to say that? Because if people Are get you there setting then, homework for the listeners? Be, you'll either be early or on time. Uh, and if you're early, Lucy will bring you a lollipop. I will, I'm sure. Lovely lollipops. Um, Chopper chops. But uh, yes. Yeah, let's say 12.45. That's feeling good. That's let's feeling do good that. Soon. I just turned my phone on. I hope it's not going to... Oh, Every day at the stand. Um, and that's not for two weeks. For two weeks. What are two weeks? So that's like, God, again, it's hard, isn't it? 31st of August. No, of July. 31st of July to like the 10th of August. Round about that. So come in between those dates, and I'm sure you'll catch Lucy, (laughs) if not on stage, wandering by with a lollipop for you at least. Thanks so much for coming in with your words of wisdom, Lucy. It's been amazing. Um, And we'll see you in Edinburgh. Yeah. Bye.